Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a great show planned for you. We're going to talk about great date ideas. Yes, that is something I get asked often uh, in all the different platforms also out in the world and things I've applied to myself. But again, as always... These are, things are applicable to those that are single or uh, deeper into a relationship. Although, as I'm going to bring up, we uh, need to be going on dates even with people that we've been with for a long period of time or married to. It's it's a cycle that we want to stay in, right? Romance only f- is romance is a verb. You know what I mean? It's an action. We're taking it or we're not. But also, these uh, date ideas we're going to talk about are also things you can apply to time with friends, time with family. You know, they're just things to get us out into the world. Newness, dynamicism. That's what we really need. We're all kind of feeling like life is a little mundane, repetitive, that hamster wheel, right? It's Tuesday. Tuesday feels like Monday. It's going to feel like t- tomorrow's going to feel like today. When does they, when does they, when do things change? So uh, we got to kind of create these moments. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. And then uh, later talking about LGBTQIA representation in sports. How do sports and gayness relate and intersect? We're going to be talking about that. Um, but I wanted to open the show just by giving a little quick mental health check-in. So uh, as we talk about these uh, key points, let's do a little checklist in your head. Am I doing this? How can I do this? I need to be doing this. Because uh, mental health matters, right? We're prioritizing that. Everything's being run through the lens of mental health. How will whatever I'm being asked to do or whatever's coming my way, how's that impact my mental functioning? So again, as always, we're talking about the socialization. We're checking in on people. We're connecting with people. If you are vaccinated, um, the CDC is saying it's okay to move around without a mask, right? Laws and expectations are changing. Um, So again, we're prioritizing face-to-face time as much as possible, right? Six feet apart, you know? outdoors. Uh, But if we can't do the face-to-face, that's okay. We're phone calling. We're doing whatever we need to do to connect into our uh, social networks. It's going to drop our stress. It's going to boost our moods, Uh, the quality and the amount. It matters. Also, we're moving our bodies. There's, you know, again, a powerful connection between movement and mood and also physical health, right? So it's good for the brain. It's good for the body. And again, it can be anything, any kind of movement. I don't care what it is. Taking stairs, stretching, hiking, roller skating, hula hooping, weightlifting, yoga, uh, Pilates, gyrotonic, doesn't even matter. It's gonna help you with emotional health, relieve stress, helps with memory. It's also gonna help you sleep better. People are talking a lot about sleep issues. I, I spent a couple segments in prior shows, um, which you can find prior episodes over at wearechannelq.com. 
Um, but uh, we were talking about all the different ways to focus on falling asleep, staying asleep, getting healthier sleep hygiene in there, but um, staying active. Also, bump it a bum, building that vulnerability. Like when we are connecting with others, we're really being honest with how we're feeling because that's part of centering mental health, right? We're saying, how's your mental health? Normalizing, talking about it, feeling it, expressing it, right? Not having any shame or anxiety about letting people know where we're actually at. I'm trying to do that more on my social media to normalize it. Even someone like myself who has access to a lot of resources and tools still as a human and a human within the context of all that's happening around us will also have mental health struggles, right? Doesn't mean we're less competent or not a good person. Also though, we're centering pleasures. So we're checking in on the senses, things that make things that sound good, smell good, look good. I've talked a lot about the things I'm wearing. I'm focusing now on wearing things that feel comfortable to me. I'm not wearing dress shirts really anymore. I'm wearing things like sweaters or long sleeve shirts that feel comfortable and cozy. Um, I just shot a big project with CBS and I wore a cotton shirt. I was like, I don't want to wear a dress shirt. That doesn't feel comfortable for me. I don't need to present as professional. I am professional because I'm a professional. So no matter what I do is professional, right? I'm going for comfort and pleasure. I'm, I'm choosing everything centered around comfort and pleasure. I'm turning down projects that don't feel good to me. And I'm following, you know, I'm letting my body kind of tell me. So Again, we're listening to music that sounds good. We're spending time in nature. We're putting things around us that make us smile. And we're not worrying about what it looks like, what people say, what people will think. We're going for comfort, what feels good for me. We're also focusing on relaxation, right? We're meditating, we're breathing, we're taking baths, we're taking naps, whatever it is. But we're saying like, what do I need to do to kind of soothe myself? All these things kind of interconnect. We're, we're also focusing on leisure, leisure and pleasure as much as possible, right? Leisure time is so necessary for mental health, contemplation, relaxation, right? Taking time away from focus. We're putting down the screens. How much time in your day do you spend doing nothing, right? The healing power of nothingness. We're prioritizing sleep, right? That's such a big one. We're taking breaks from screens hours before bed. When we're getting up in the middle of the night for whatever reason, we're not checking our phones. We're not checking the time. We're trusting that our alarm clock or our body will wake us up when we need to. That was huge for me. If I get up to use the bathroom, I no longer look at my phone. I don't need to know what time it is. I don't need to know if anyone texts me because that's activating. That might be you taking anxiety with you back to sleep, right? You don't need to be accessible in the middle of the night right? And then finally, we're engaging in things that give us purpose and meaning that will always be the center point of mental health. That what you're doing with your time, does it give you purpose and meaning, right? It's that powerful mental health question. It'll always keep you on the path towards happiness as well, because it's a byproduct of that, right? Um, but as I said, stick around. Coming up next, we're going to talk about dating ideas. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page, always open, whatever you're worrying about. We got the answers for you. So put it in there. And uh, like I said, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about date ideas. Um, now, I, I get asked these questions a lot. What should we do? And this ties into the whole idea that I want people to plan date nights, right? <clears throat> if you're in a romantic relationship, we've talked about this every week, there should be, to the best that you can, a, at least a day set aside. I would love it to be an entire day. And if you can't pull that off, look at what that might be about. I know that there's a position of privilege for those that can do that. And if not, we wanna at least plan like a date once a week. If it could be the same day and time, that's great. 
we run at least, at least an hour, ideally two. And then people always ask me, well, what should we do in that time? <clears throat> I'm going to give you some ideas. These aren't going to be applicable to everybody, but um, I found an article that talked about some of them, and I think some of them are cute, because I want the reminder to be that it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be something that requires travel, right? It's really just about meaningfully setting time apart where we prioritize the us-ness, right? And, and we have to do that, because whatever's not a priority isn't going to feel like one, and our, and our relationships have to be. And so maybe... You're single and you're saying, well, how's this apply to me? Well, once a week, plan something with your best friend or best friends, right? I like everyone having built in, we talk all the time about acts of self-care, uh, joy and pleasure every single day, but I'd love for people to build in weekly um, a time slot or a day where it's date night and or time with friends. I would love it ideally to be both if you're in a relationship. There should be time where it's not you and your partner. It's just you and your friends. Partner's not there. They're doing whatever they do. Maybe that's when they can go see their friends. But that's built in. We have to start to centralize and prioritize our friendships, our relationships. Because again, anything that's not a priority isn't going to feel like one. And then we can't demand it to be or wonder why we don't feel that close or connected to certain individuals, right? So we have to build it in. And Depends on where you live, what's available, but what's most meaningful are, are excuse me, <clears throat> what's most meaningful are always three factors. And you'll see these built into these ideas that I'm gonna you know, itemize for you. But it's always about intentionally carving time. We're not just bumping into each other. Touch and eye contact. Now, if you're in a platonic relationship, maybe there might not be a lot of touch, but it's something that requires and allows for some eye contact, which really is about face-to-face -face engagement. Going to the movies, that's cool, but it doesn't allow you to have face-to-face -face contact. So you plan something maybe before or after if you're gonna do something like a movie where you're not able to engage each other. Because it's really about that time together, but also the ability to see each other, feel each other, and for us to really feel empathy or to feel close and connected and to really embody the presence or experience of the other, we have to be able to look at them, right? We have to be able to track consciously and unconsciously what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're needing, where they are, right? And that's how we really feel connected to. And that's why, you know, having friendships or, you know, connecting intimately via things like text are great, uh, but they should be more maintenance-based. They can't, they shouldn't be to the best that we can. I appreciate everyone has a different life. People are different, differently abled and have different neurologies. And for some people, the totality of some of their relationships might be all online-based or texting, and that's okay right? That's what some people will do. Some people will need. But for those that are able to get out into the world and, and whatnot, um, try to extend it beyond the non-eye uh, non, non um, eye contact. There's just something about that. Um, I should do an entire show talking about the importance of eye contact, but what that actually interpersonal neurobiologically does because there's, we understand the mechanisms of that. So we'll come to that. So what are these, some of these things that we can do to, uh, I love that the title of the article was, Date Ideas to Get You and Your Boo Off the Couch. Because that's what I always say to people. Uh, we get a little familiar and we start to make everything, uh, every night's a blockbuster night. And the reason why I don't like that, and I tell people to delay that as much as possible, is not only can that become mundane and boring, but there's not necessarily anything intentional about it. And it becomes very patterned and habituated. And then we stop really checking in with each other. And that's why I like when people change environments, and that's what you're gonna hear in this list, is it's about changing our normal environment, and that disruption in that normal framework is what breaks us out of the mundaneness or the boredom of that. 
And it provides new things for us to look at and to talk about. And we're experiencing each other in new environments. And that's really a powerful part of planning things like the dates is experiencing each other in new environments. There's something magical about learning. And I even give that as a tip to people that are newly single. And they're saying, you know, I need to move forward in the world differently or I need to get over my ex. Is I say, go do something, go experience things that are new. Something about newness and learning that really neurologically shifts things. Um, because that's how we really engage in brain plasticity, right? We know that our brain actually does have the capacity to grow and change throughout our life. It doesn't necessarily stop in our late 20s like we thought, but that it's new experiences and learning that are what most profoundly reorganize our brain and create change. And singledom, often we need that. We need to really shake things up. We need to reestablish our identity out in the world, but we also want to bring some dynamicism and some joy. It could also be part of someone processing grief and loss. They're both sitting with the heavy emotions in that, but also allowing themselves a little bit of joy. And I tell them, go do something new. Doing the same standard, comfortable things are an important part of feeling grounded and safe in our everyday life, but there's also something really meaningful about shaking it up. Um, and so a little bit of a tip for grief and loss and also for some singledom. But more importantly, again, we wanna keep our relationships feeling renewed, right? It's not just about getting them. And once we're married, monogamous, or living together, we think the entire process is done and it's a box that we check. It's like a plant or a pet. It's an open-ended, dynamic, ever-moving system that we participate in. It's a verb, right? You don't get a pet and then you're like, I'm done. You have to still spend time with it, right? Play with it, feed it. Relationships need that as well. But we tend to just think that they're gonna be running well on their own autopilot style. And that's a horrible, horrible kind of relationship to be in. So uh, we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we'll talk about what are some of these things that we can do that kind of provide that newness and that dynamicism. And I always say to people, try to keep dating as long as possible. Don't bust into those uh, at home in our sweatpants on the couch nights any sooner than they necessarily need to be. And uh, then later in the show, we're gonna be talking about LGBTQIA and sports. Um, I did a segment for a project with CBS and we talked about this and I thought really important stuff. So we'll talk about that. So stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about date ideas. Now, these are for people that are in romantic relationships, but they're also for friends because all of our relationships need renewal. They need engagement. And just like I tell people, I want you to plan a date night once a week. I also want us to be able to build in time with our friends. I would love people to have an established, carved out time when they're just spending time with their friendships. Because again, remember, being in a romantic relationship shouldn't mean that our life gets smaller and that we let go of all these other relationships that we're a part of. Our life should get bigger because a new person has been brought in, so it should be expansive, and we should be engaging in all of our different identities. You should just be playing date, where it's just the two of you. You should be playing family, where it's all of you, if you have kids and other. Then there should be times when maybe you're just a son or daughter and you are by yourself alone spending time with your parent or parents. Just like there should be time alone with friends. We're allowed to leave our partner at home and go out and spend time with friends, and we shouldn't be punished for having done that. that that's part of mental health. It's part of relational health, and our partners, if they love us, are happy when we're happy, and they're happy for us. They don't penalize us for leaving them to go spend time with their friends. In fact, they support that. They're thankful we did that. They're inspired by that, right? They don't make an issue of it. So what are some of these things we can talk about? Okay, first one is we got the old school stuff. I love going retro. I think back to all the things I did as a kid that were fun. Those should still be and can be 
applicable as adults. Adults need a sense of play. We need to go back to making things fun and lighthearted. We don't have to play adulthood. Being aging and becoming an adult doesn't mean we can't be childlike anymore. And that's why I like the old school stuff. Go roller skating, go mini golfing. Those things have a nostalgia tied to them. They're romanticized for many of us, right? There's a cuteness to it. I know when I think about going to play miniature golf or roller skating, it makes me feel youthful again. The music, it's retro, it's ridiculous, you laugh. It's got like the old school snack bars. And there's something just very simple in it. Because again, it's not about, the experience is about our time together, doing something out of the house and different together, right? It, it, the, the, the quality or worth of the experience is not based on what we're doing, it's that we're doing it together. So remember that. It doesn't have to be these big grand acts. So mini golf, roller skating, those are adorable for dates, time with family, or time with friends. Some people like doing these outdoor workout things, right? There's, it depends on where you live in the climate, but I know here in LA they have outdoor yoga, they have outdoor training, they even have spin on the beach. So there's something in that. If you wanna move your bodies and you wanna do something more athletic, there is a multitude of athletic things. There is zip lining depending on where you live. Um, all sorts of things, there's, there's um, snorkeling depending on where you live, paddle boarding, kayaking, uh, the dune buggies, right? So just really think about childlike ways. What are things that you loved to have done as a kid for your birthday? What are some things you went to do for other people's birthdays? What are some things you might plan for your kids for their birthday? And go and do that. There's a sweetness to that. Again, nostalgia, playfulness. I love that. Uh, going to the movies, going to a drive-in movie. The reason why I like the drive-in movies or things like that is you can still really engage each other. You're not going to disturb others. But I like time before and after where you're talking about the movie, processing it. I also like things that are nature-involved. I'm really trying to focus more on eco-psychology here on Loveline and also my clinical practice, but also in my own life. How can we remind ourselves that we are connected to nature and we're responsible for nature? But there's also something powerful neurologically and biologically about spending time in nature. We've talked about it. Taking your shoes off, your socks off, having your bare feet or your bare hands touch the earth. We go long periods of time without our bare feet touching sand or dirt or grass. Our nervous systems are soothed by that. There's something really transformative mental health-wise about that. We'll talk more about that down the road, but build that in. Things like amusement parks, again, nostalgia, retro, but it's also fun, it's dynamic, it's interesting, it's different. My favorite are things like farmer's markets. Farmer's markets and picnics, to me, are a way to pull it all together. We're both in nature, we're outdoors, it's not something that we're typically doing, so there's something still new about it, but also there's something cute and nostalgic about it. It's romantic as hell as well. There's so much romanticism in things like that. Planning a picnic, getting someone's favorite foods together, choosing a nice location, or going to a farmer's market before to together pick out what you're gonna get, get some flowers, get some food. All these things are very simple and they can be very low cost and they're sweet and adorable, right? How about just renting bikes, going for a bike ride, going rollerblading, just spending time outdoors at nighttime, stargazing. One of the most amazing things I did is when a friend took me when I first moved to LA to this one spot where you can really see stars and we sat on a blanket outside by the car and just watched the stars and talked. National parks, you can go camping, you can go hiking, gardening, you can find a city garden, you can start a city garden, you can maybe start a garden in your backyard. It's a shared hobby that you then can continue to engage and step into with your partner. Do a walking tour of your city cities or a city nearby 
architecture, history. There's so much that we're not aware of. Those are really great things to do. Um, and you can also just Google some of these things. Google is now your best friend for trying to figure out exciting new ways to like have dates, to plan parties. But I wanna remind you, do something playful, do something nostalgic, do something that pulls us outside of the rigidity, right, of being an adult and being a professional, something that lets you let loose. So something that's an environmental shift. Right, it's really good for us, it's really fun. We'll keep talking about this stuff. But coming up next, we're gonna slide into those DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in our Loveline IG page in the DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All the DMs come from our Loveline IG page. If you've got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Follow us back. Any question, ask it. Someone else might be wondering the same thing. Always anonymous and confidential. You guys give good questions. I'm always impressed. Um, also, especially with the vulnerability. I always think it's really amazing when someone's you know, vulnerable enough or, or really wants to uh, be better and change. And you know, we all learn from this stuff. So anyway, I digress. Let's get into it. Tonight's question says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Justin and I'm 25. Ah, 25. Interesting time. That's that time when you're like really moving into important parts of your life, but you still got a lot to learn, but a beautiful, beautiful time to like, let me say it like this. If you're in your twenties, really try to see that as a beautiful time where you're not seeking perfection or success. It's a time for growing and transformation and experience. Let yourself fail. Let yourself be awkward. Try everything. Make out with every gender. Date every gender. Try tons of different careers. Study everything. You know what I mean? Don't commit to a person, a sexual orientation. Don't commit to a gender or a career. Use your 20s to just have all these developmental milestones, right? Worry in your 30s or 40s. That's when you can really solidify all of that truly. I just horrified a lot of parents in saying that, but that's the psychological truth, so deal with it. All right, here comes a question. Sorry, Justin, you're 25. The last few years of my life, I've been in the party scene. That was not 100% what I meant, but all right, still doing you. I've made friends that, uh, here we go. I've made friends that revolve around drugs and drinking, okay? This pandemic definitely made me get my priorities in order, and I wanna cut that part of my life out. Congratulations. I think that's a really meaningful thing. Um, not to say that spending time socially isn't important, but I can understand where with drugs and alcohol in the party scene, people kind of lose themselves and they're not necessarily using their time to achieve the developmental milestones I talked about. You know, this isn't a commentary on sobriety, but I want to recognize that experiences we have while on drugs and alcohol aren't always ones that we continue. Uh, how do I want to say this? Experiences that we have while on drugs and alcohol do not necessarily stay with us. It's not necessarily logged in a developmental way. And so it's not that all of that time is wasted or a wash. But when we're in our sober you know, consciousness and we're spending time with people and having experiences, they stay with us and they're logged on a deeper level because our brains are able to really associatively hold the memory <clears throat> in its most profound ways. The sights, the smells, the sounds, where drug and alcohol tend to make it a little blurry. Uh, it's not logged as powerfully. There's a lot of confusion. Um, anyway, I'm rambling. Okay. So the pandemic has made you get your stuff together. I think that's awesome. What a beautiful way to use this downtime. Um, <clears throat> it's been a process. And through the last few months, I've just realized that I don't have any real friends. Uh, those people that I would hang out with don't check in on me, even the ones I thought would. 
I just feel lonely, even though I know this is the right thing to do. Is this a normal part of the process? Yes, yes it is. Um, and it's important that, I like that you framed it that way. Knowing that this is what it looks like can shave down some of the sharp edges of that loneliness. You're moving from one social world to another. And a lot of those people really only value others that are participating in it. Because when someone's no longer partying or using drugs or alcohol, it reflects back how much others might be using or how problematic their lives have become. And people that are used to building intimacy and socializing while intoxicated, some of them can struggle to be present when not intoxicated. They don't know how to relate to these people in a sober way. They've built their social identity through relating and socializing around the party scene and who's in it. And so, yeah, moving away from it can be a little lonely at times. But you hang in there knowing that you'll rebuild. And it uh, happens all the time when people get sober. And that's why some people love getting into the 12-step program because there's a lot of socialization and there's people that aren't doing that anymore. So that's an, a place to really meet a lot of people, also through school or work. But you'll rebuild. Don't, don't go backwards out of loneliness. Keep moving forward knowing that there's so much more ahead. You know, when I stopped drinking, I had to completely reorient my entire social life because I realized everything social I did was centered around alcohol and that the people that I did that with also really prioritize having alcohol present for those things. And so I had to release a lot of those friends. But what I did is I got closer and reconnected with people that I drifted from, uh, got deeper and closer with people I'd always wanted to be closer to, and really started to rebuild more of a sober life, and I'm better for it. Um, so hang in there, truly. It's, it, it's, it's the best thing. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about LGBTQIA in sports, the mental health impact, and also some of these new laws and how problematic they are. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back, uh, and we're going to be talking about, uh, gosh, sports, LGBTQIA inclusivity, the trans scandal and controversies. Uh, let's kind of dive into it. We're going to spend the rest of the night talking about it. I think there's so much for all of us to learn in this. Listen, <laughs> we live in a heterocentric culture. What that means is the world is set up assuming that everyone's straight. It's not necessarily built for anyone that isn't cis or hetero. Right? Anyone that's trans, non-binary, gender fluid, gay, bi, pan, agender, asexual, the world's not built for those individuals, us, right? Um, studies show most individuals are not identifying as hetero. A really big study, I shared this once before on Loveline, showed that 56% of the youngins, those younger individuals, are not identifying as hetero, 56%. Now, it doesn't mean they're identifying as gay. They're basically saying, hetero flexible, I don't know, I'm exploring, maybe fluid, maybe bi. The point being, more and more people are less comfortable identifying as hetero. It's too confining. And I think that that's actually more honest. I think we're all a little more colorful than 100% this or 100% that. And remember, things like pan or bisexuality aren't 50-50. You can be bi and be 90-10, 95-1, five other. And that's where I think people are feeling more free saying, oh, I might only date this gender, but I'm open to having other kinds of sexual experiences. And I love that. But that means the world has to kind of accommodate people. People shouldn't fit into the world or into the institutions or academics the way it is. These things need to change to meet where people are going. So we got to catch up right? Not everyone's hetero. And that's where I talk all the time about how we need to get rid of the closet. This whole idea is that's heterocentric, that people have to come out. Let's not assume that everyone's straight. It's about more liberation and authenticity. <clears throat> so we got to get away from that. We talk a lot about homophobia, toxic masculinity, 
And we got to do that. So here's the thing. Culture normalizes. Culture socializes. Culture is the number one determinant of mental health because it sets the standards, right? It tells us what's good. It tells us what's bad. It tells us who's cool. It tells us who's not cool. Not cool excuse me. And we have to change that. Sports are something that is such a powerful center point. Even if you're not into sports, even if you're like me, I don't follow a lot of sports. I don't know a lot about it. That doesn't take away the power that sports have. And that's kind of what I want to talk about is the impact of the athletic and sports community on trans and gay individuals. I think a lot of trans and gay individuals might not have ever gotten into sports because they didn't realize that it was possible for them. It always seemed outside of the scope. And that falls on academic institutions and teams to be welcoming and inclusive. It shouldn't be on gay and trans individuals to try to fight their way on, right? People in the positions of power, cis hetero people need to change and present as safe. I looked at a study. This was really like odd and interesting, but also horrifying where it said that 80% of gay or trans college athletes had heard tons of slurs. That was disturbing. But what was even more disturbing was a huge poll was done just asking about asking individuals how safe they thought attending a sports event would be for someone trans or gay. Just attending, just sitting in the bleachers at the game. 80% said it's not safe for them. 80% said it is unsafe for a gay or trans person to even attend the event. It didn't mean that these people said they shouldn't. They might not have been trans or homophobic themselves, but they said, yeah, I don't know how safe it would be for them. Sit with that. So how do we go from not safe to even attend to we think that they should try out for the team and try to get in there? Do you know what it's like to constantly feel marginalized? Do you know what it's like to constantly feel out on the fringes? And sports are a powerful way. Sports normalize. You know, in our youth and in our early adulthood, and for some people it's their entire lives, all we want to do is fit in. That's the, that's the first phase of life is actually about finding our place. The second phase, which not everyone gets to, is where we age out of that. And we're like, ah, oh, I'm going to just do me, right? I'm going I'm to live a life of meaning and purpose. I don't care if anyone, you know, agrees or enjoys me. But the early phases are about fitting in. And sports are a, are a powerful normalizer for what masculinity and femininity are supposed to look like. And it's also a site of a lot of violence for people, even before they get into maybe high school or college, just as a young kid, where the men are supposed to go throw a ball around and be competitive. And not every individual feels like they fit into that. And not every female feels as though she wants to do what the young females tend to do during free time or on the weekends, right? So how do we start to change this? And I think sports can be a great place to do that. You know, men are socialized side by side to compete. Girls are socialized face to face where there's a little more talking and engagement. And we have to normalize that on both sides. But also we create this double bind around gender where female athletes are supposed to be strong, athletic, competitive, but we also want them to still be feminine and soft. And it, for many, can feel like this double bind because they're not told just be who you are. Because a lot of homophobia and transphobia is really around the idea that we need to police gender norms. We don't like people who step outside of that, right? That's where a lot of the violence and exclusion comes in. Um, we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about LGBTQIA and trans identity within sports, um, a topic that I don't talk a lot about ever, but with what's going on in the news, and we'll come back and talk more about that. I think it's more and more important, and that's how we're, we're good allies. So uh, when we come back, we'll talk about that, and uh, later in the show, we'll be sliding in those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page. Yeah, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey.
All right, we're back and we're talking about LGBTQIA and sports. And this is born out of me just looking at some laws. So I'm going to share a really harsh number with you. 28 states are trying to intro or sign anti-trans bills. 28. Do you know how violent that is? Why? Why? Why do you all care? that? Why do you care? Why? Well, a lot of it centers around sports. They want people that are quote-unquote questionable to have to get a gynecological exam to prove their gender. So many problems with that. I'll circle back to why. And it has to do with locker rooms and bathrooms. Now, Alabama and Idaho are going hard and strong. Here's why that's a problem. Because this is going to be something a lot of people aren't aware of. Your external visible anatomy does not necessarily speak to your internal or your chromosomes. What does that mean? Well, that means that someone can have a vagina, but then can also have testes on the inside and XY chromosomes. Oh, yes. XO, XXY, your chromosomes do not necessarily match your external genitals. Your internal genitals do not necessarily match your external genitals. This, this is not, most people have never had their chromosomes checked. They're making a lot of assumptions. Most people aren't aware of all their internal anatomy. They're making a lot of assumptions. We tend to go off of what we see on the outside. We determine that to be our sex. And then we also determine that when someone's born to be their gender. But gender and sex don't always line up. You can't promise that because your child has something external that their chromosomes, internal, or their gender presentation is all going to align. And there was a athlete, a South African athlete. I think this is, she was in the Olympics and this is what really brought it forward. Um, and her name is, was, is Castor Semenya. And her story is really, really fascinating. Uh, she was challenged and she had a vagina. So she lived and presented as a woman, was a woman, is a woman. Chromosomes were XY, male, and had testes on the inside. So what sports team does that put her on? Men or women? Which, which of those three elements matter, inside, outside, or chromosomes? She had high levels of testosterone. These are the kinds of things we have intersexed individuals. We, there are more than two sexes. Some people are more than male or female. What is your definition of maleness or femaleness? Because some people have one inside, one outside. Some people have unambiguous even on the outside where it's not clear. We are a, what we call a weakly dimorphic species where we are not solidly one or the other. We are not solidly a binary. We are a, a creative diversified fusion of that. Go get your insides and your chromosomes checked and find out how diverse and creative you may be. Now, some are saying intersexed is about the same rate of redheads. So sure, it's a smaller population, but every human being has a right to worth and value and inclusivity. So that's my point. We can't keep using these determinants. What if we just had the best athletes make the team? And regardless of your height, regardless of your weight, regardless of your gender, that it didn't matter. That, that would be more equal-based because I don't know how y'all are gonna figure it out otherwise. And that's what you're being challenged to do. So 28 states are violent as all out and, and really can't handle this. Why they care, I do not know because apparently they're just really all about equality and fairness in sports apparently because there's not a safety issue in the locker room. God bless it. 80% of gay or trans uh, athletes have heard slurs used and 80% of people think that it would most likely be unsafe for them to even be at the event. Sit with that. That's what we're up against. And again, like I said, Alabama, Idaho, and a whole bunch of other places. In the past year, 90 plus bills have tried to be introduced. 90 plus, 28 are actively being worked on to be signed or introed. That's a mess. That is not okay. That falls on all of us. The problem with that is that we don't even understand testosterone, right? Testosterone, in theory, increases muscle volume, but muscle volume is not the only determinant of something like strength. Testosterone does not inherently equal strength. That is not conclusive. 
And yet we operate off of a lot of these stereotypes, assuming that these things are conclusive. All genders have testosterone and it's expressed differently in different contexts. We know that a man's testosterone levels drop while holding a baby. We know that they rise when getting in a fight. These things come and go. But to have someone, an athlete, that someone thinks might be questionable, have to go get their chromosome checked or gynecological check is offensive, traumatic, violent, transphobia, homophobic. So if a woman is too masculine, you're going to have her have to go get checked by a doctor to prove that she has a vagina? That's disgusting. And each sport's different. Each sport has different metrics of skill. Each sport has different skills required. Each sport needs different strengths. And those are not all tied to testosterone. We also know that after a year of being on testosterone, that your body will start to match the gender. Muscle mass might decrease, stamina might decrease. So it actually can work against you. But we don't care about these things. We don't care about truth. We just, we just want to be violent. And that's what's so distressing about these laws, right? is that we're not working on being inclusive, but institutions need to meet the needs of people. People shouldn't have to shrink down and violently squeeze into old school ways of thinking, guys and girls, and that's it. There are hundreds of gender expressions. Gender is our outward presentation. And there are more than two sexes, which is just male or female, vagina or penis, more than XX or XY. And again, there's a lot of hybrids. We need to update our thinking. This is the, this is the beauty of, of, of humanity. All species have this. Y'all heard about what goes on with fish and, fish and uh, animals and plants? They are doing all sorts of queer stuff. They are giving themselves abortions. They are impregnating themselves. They are asexual. They're eating their partners. There are males that get impregnated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's quite a diverse world out there. I'll have to do a segment on how queer nature is. It's a part of this lecture I give when I travel. But we need to care about this. We need to step into this because you don't know who's in the room. You don't know who's gay or trans that's around you. And again, the numbers are rising, not because there's more gay or trans people in the world are being born, but because people can finally, it's finally safe. It's well, not safe. It's finally safer. There's finally more inclusivity. There's more representation. There's more community. So people are like, oh, I can identify. I can explore. I have so many clients that are stepping into exploring with their gender and sexuality because now they realize it's safer. They're seeing celebrities do it. More people are coming out. It's normalized. So people are willing to go on the journey. And that's a part of mental health is living your true self fully, not having to compartmentalize or hide. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to just do a little more answers to a so what can institutions do, right? How do we kind of make some changes? So I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, the bolts the bolts of it all. Is that what they say? The bolts and the screws? I don't know. Anyway, and then we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveland IG page. And uh, as always, want to check out past episodes, you can do so by going over to wearechannelq.com. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about LGBT, uh, LGBTQIA inclusion and sports. Again, why this matters is because sports and athletics is such an important part of socialization as a kid, follows us through our lives. These athletes have a lot of power. They, they set standards and norms. If they can be an ally or they can be openly gay or trans themselves, that shifts cultural tide because fans are forced to encounter and deal with and accept right? Um, we want people to be able to be themselves. I, you know, and again, sports teams are missing out on the success of having these amazing athletes that maybe don't even know that they're an athlete because they haven't felt safe, right? Um, or they're not supported. So we have to keep shifting that. So what are some things we can do? First off, policy. 
Institutions need to be better with their policies. They need to set things that make it inclusive where everyone's seen as legitimate and everyone's seen as valid. Policy has to reflect the rights and needs of people that are trans and gay because that is what's going on in the world, whether you like it or not. We also look at programming. We need to get everyone that's in positions of power, coaches and, and all these heads of these departments, trained to understand the needs of trans and, and gay individuals. Public awareness, public initiatives that tell people you can play in sports and be gay or trans. You know, public facing programs that recruit and have presence in gay, trans and queer spaces. If you have known gay or trans in your, in, in your you know, team or in your company, you know that you are not presenting as inclusive. Also, positions of power. We need gay and trans people in positions of power. We talk about that with anti-racism work. If you just drop them in, that's called tokenism. Like, look, we have a gay person, we have a black person, big deal. If they're not positions of power, then you're not truly inclusive and representative. And you need to do that. So it's policy, it's program, it's public awareness, it's positions of power, right? Also support looking at language that we allow or don't allow, holding people accountable and having consequences for creating unsafe environment and spaces. How about resources? What kind of resources do you have to provide to these individuals? Visibility, do you have gay or trans members in any capacity, in any way related to these organizations? Because that is what starts to make it safe. That's what starts to make it normal. That's what we need to do, make it normal, make it safe. Because right now, again, we're living in that heterocentric culture, which assumes everyone's straight. Otherwise, you have to come out and tell us and we make it difficult for you because everything's centered around the needs of straight people. But the numbers are showing us that that's changing. So we need to grow, right? We can't just stay with these old ways of being or old ways of thinking. And that's why I'm always trying to advocate for not using languaging in any space that just assumes everyone's straight or everyone's cisgendered and not trans. We have to say, what about for gay people? What about for straight people? What about for trans? Like we have to have this part of our normal discussion. Because a lot of people want to participate in sports. But for many gay and trans people, that seems so not part of a world that they feel like they could ever be a part of. Like when I was a kid, that was unimaginable. And for many now, it's still unimaginable. And that's why we have special leagues, like gay football leagues and all that. But for a lot of people, that feels minimizing, right? That feels exclusive somehow instead of inclusive. They want to play on the larger teams that they want to play on. They don't want to have to settle for these specialized teams. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm glad that those outlets and spaces exist. But the mere presence of a gay softball team implies that there's no space in a hetero softball team, right? That, that's why they're there. They shouldn't have to be there. And that's where like the gender part of this is always so interesting to me because if we're talking about sexual orientation, none of that actually comes into play in the locker room or on the field or at a game or anything. Who someone has sex with is so outside of all of that. It's not there. It's not present. It's, it, it, it's not a factor, but yet it's factored in. But what usually it is, is usually about gender and notice that that's the languaging. If someone doesn't quite look if a female looks a little too masculine we want her based on some of these bills to have to get a gynecological check to prove it's all about gender and gender conformity and gender policing that's what this really falls under even though we'll use the word homophobia which is a real thing as evidenced by the 80 percent of athletes that have heard gay anti-gay slurs but it's also about gender presentation we're really trying to make everyone present in these normative typical gendered ways otherwise we're made uncomfortable and we think something's wrong but we all have work we can do within that. We have to stop saying things like, oh, the male brain. 
again, we are a weakly dimorphic species, which means there's as much difference between men as there is between males and females. There is no male brain. Every man has a different brain built by their genetics and their context and their own experiences, right? There are, there's no one way that all males are or all females are. It's a very diversified label and category, but yet we want to shrink them down. We want to pigeonhole everyone. And that's bad because that's not honest. That's not liberated. That's not authentic authenticity. And remember, our mental health is an accumulation of all the ways people have treated us and talked about us. And we internalize that. And so the inability to even participate in something you're interested in, like sports, is just another sign of that exploitation and marginalization. And so as soon as we can start to shift that, we know that true equality is coming. And so, yeah, the sports topic matters. It's a site of violence for many people and a place where they don't feel like they can really fit in or be a part of it. So more to come. I'll keep talking about it. We just got to worry about places like Idaho and Alabama trying to pass those anti-trans bills that are very locker room and sports focused. So I will. I got you back. I'll keep you up to date on that. Um, coming up next, them DMs. If you got a DM for us, as always, confidential, anonymous, drop it in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Um, yeah, anything you're wondering about, someone else might be wondering the same thing. So uh, drop those questions in there. We'll be back. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide in them DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Got a question for us. Bloop, drop it on in there. We got your back. Whatever you're worrying about. Today's question goes like this. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. I caught your segment last week on traveling and doing road trips during the pandemic. Really enjoyed learning what you thought was safe and some of those good ideas. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to ask you, if we're being so cautious traveling, what are some ways we can be cautious if we're doing staycations? Like renting a local Airbnb or meeting up with friends for a trip downtown? Yeah, I like that you're just thinking in terms of cautiousness. Uh, I know some people, ready for this bad one, this bad boy? I know some people, uh, I say some people too, two individuals who got vaccinated, both of them, uh, and going on there two weeks after the second one where they're supposed to have complete efficacy, right, of like whatever it is, 95%, both contracted COVID. They thought we're vaccinated, we don't need to wear masks, we can go out of the house, and uh, they went to a spa, and, um, you know, we're hit, so, you know, soaking around in those hot tubs and whatnot, got COVID. So we do need to be cautious. 100%. There's variants and uh, the vaccines are important. We need to all get them. I have mine, but they're not 100%. That does not mean we're good. And we're going to need booster shots and maybe yearly shots, just like the flu shot, right? So I'm glad we're, th- we're still talking terms of cautiousness. We're not, you know, 100% all good and out of the woods. So um, how do we stay cautious during staycations, uh, maybe renting a local Airbnb? So I've learned a lot through the pandemic about germs and, and um, I guess just general safety with travel. And so I haven't yet gone as far as bringing my own linens. I've thought about it. Not that I don't trust some of these hotels cleaning systems, but I definitely take the very top blanket off at all times now. I realize that that's something that's often not cleaned. So I take that off, fold that up and put it over on a chair. I bring wipes and I'd wipe down surfaces that are commonly used. Some hotels are now putting things like the remote control in a plastic 
bag to show you it's been sanitized, but bring wipes. Wipe down the doorknobs, right? Wipe down handles, wipe down the telephone, wipe down the remote control. You don't have to go overboard. We're not, we're not, you know, spiking your anxiety around this, but you want to be thoughtful about that. I wouldn't be spending time with anyone indoors that hasn't been vaccinated. So if you're going with someone, make sure they've been vaccinated and then it's okay to be not wearing masks with that person. Um, if you're intimately re related, then you've already maybe been doing your thing. But if not, you know, maybe still allow some space. If you're going to be spending time with people that are not vaccinated, spend time with them outdoors and apart from them. So it really depends. Is this a group event? Is this a solo event? Is this a partnered event? But I would still be wiping down surfaces. I wouldn't be spending time indoors with people. I, I, I'm not comfortable yet um, eating in restaurants. I, I know other people are. I'm not. I you skew on the side of cautiousness. So if I was eating at a restaurant with someone, it would be outdoors 100%. Um, air, air molecules stay in the air. So just it's it's kind of the same things, you know, but I appreciate that people want to get out of the house. So if it's a solo trip, you're pretty much solid. You'll be good. You don't really have to really worry. Wipe down some surfaces, you know, necessarily don't be around others. But if you're going with someone, I'd make sure that that someone themselves has been vaccinated, you know. I'm looking at the reports, what's going on in, you know, India and Brazil and Canada's now finally doing a little bit better, but like, we're not out of the woods and tons of people are still traveling, uh, doing foreign travel. And so they're taking, you know, COVID possibly to countries that don't have the best infrastructure to, to deal with what's going on or they're bringing things back. So I would just advise that everyone's still really compassionate about the impact they have on others, still hanging in there. Things are opening up. We're going to be good soon, but like, we just got to get through this final push. You know what I mean? We're almost there. So hang tight. Um, yeah, but if you've got a DM for us, as always, drop in our Loveline IG page. If you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down. You'll see my face in Loveline. Click on it, and they're all there. You can binge, post, share. Check out some of the other shows that are there. Coming up tomorrow... We're going to talk about how to go easy on ourselves. Yeah, that's right. We're going to be talking about the anti-work work and also uh, marital stuff going on in quarantine. Still got to be looking out for ourselves and our relationships. And of course, as always, the DM. So drop them on in there. So uh, spend the rest of your night doing a little bit of self-care. Tons of pleasure if you haven't already. How can I create some moments of joy in the rest of my day, you say to yourself. And uh, rest as much as possible. As always, thanks for hanging out, y'all. And uh, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Be kind to each other. Be kind to yourselves. And have a great rest of your night.